We're going to be having a, I'm, I'm sharing a message about next steps for Mercy Hill Church, and we're having, I think, five people who are going to be sharing interspersed in the message, so we're going to get right down to it for the sake of time. So let me pray, and we'll dig in. Rich worship this morning. Thank you that it's all true. You are glorious in Jesus Christ, and we can come to you as we are by faith alone, and you love us and forgive us and change us and satisfy us and guide us and provide for us and strengthen us and comfort us and encourage us, and everything we need is ours in Jesus Christ. What a gift. What a God you are to us. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me now and the others who are going to be sharing also to communicate the things you've been stirring in, in Jerry's heart, my heart, the home group leaders' hearts, and that this would be a landmark Sunday for us here at Mercy Hill. So we ask you to do that now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28. That's the passage we're going to be focusing on this morning. And if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We always like to do that so that you can have a copy of God's Word to look on with as we study the Scriptures. Matthew 28, uh, in the Bibles we just are passing out, it's on page 836, so you can just flip there. We're going to come to Matthew 28 in a moment. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. It's next steps that... uh, The Lord Jesus has been putting on my heart, Jerry's heart, we're the elders, upon the home group leaders' hearts as we've been talking and praying together, next steps that the Lord's calling us to take as Mercy Hill Church. I believe in being really transparent as a leader, okay? That's, I think it's really, it's important to me, it's important for leaders, it's important for you. So I want to start just by saying these last couple years have been hard for us here at Mercy Hill Church. For Jerry and me, our wives, for the home group leaders, and and I think we've all kind of felt that. The hardest thing has been um, God's had a lot of people leave Mercy Hill Church. And uh, that's always a painful thing. Um, Many of them have, we we sent out, I don't know, 20, 25 people with Garden City, which was a big win. They're doing great. I'm going to be down there. Jerry and I are both down there helping install their first elder, or their second elder, I should say. Uh, but it was sad, and we felt that. That was, that was a, a bitter, sweet, sweet bitter, you know, one of those times. Um, we've also had people who just simply had to leave for the sake of, of jobs, for the sake of relocation, family responsibilities, whatever. Um, we've had people who've decided that their vision for church life isn't the vision we're pursuing here. That's always hard, but it's a good thing, ultimately. There's lots of ways of pursuing church. And uh, as people are called to do it in a different way than us, that's always hard because it's sad to have people go. But it's good because they can thrive then in a setting which fits their vision. And, um, and we're in unity here, so it's a good thing, but it's still sad. And uh, the hardest is we, we've had people who've, who've had to leave because of misunderstandings or because of um, you know, unintentional hurts. You know, those things happen. So I just want to be really candid with you. You know, these last couple of years have been have been hard for us. At the same time, God just keeps bringing us people who who love the vision here, who are passionate about where we're going. Many of you here, that's that's why you're here. We trust. And so it's like, Lord, thank you for in the midst of of, of the transition. Thank you for the the blessings you're bringing. 
We're also going through a big transition with our worship leaders. Okay, thank you for worship this morning. Dave, man, we love you, brother. And uh, most of you know, maybe some of you don't, in February, God stirred, well, God spoke to Dave and Jasmine, they shared with us that God was calling them to go help another church in their worship, leading worship for them. Didn't know what church that was. This is what God stirred in their hearts. And so we talked, we prayed, got counsel from other pastors. So how do we do this transition? And so we're, we just shared it with you as a body. Be praying for them. Um, the counsel we got was it'd be helpful to, to uh, set things up so that, for example, if Dave finds a position before we know for sure who our worship leader is, he's going to give us one more month to, to raise somebody up, to train somebody up. So we appreciate that commitment. If we know who our worship leader is going to be before Dave is called to that next position, we're committing two months to support them as they continue to look. Um, so all that's going on, and that's, you know, change is hard. Okay, we've talked about that. At the same time, it's kind of amazing. God spoke to Dave about uh, that, that Phil Wright should be our worship leader here. Phil Wright is a total rookie, was a total rookie, okay? Dave's been pouring into Phil, fire hose style, okay? And Phil has been working, 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 and we are really encouraged with the trajectory that he is on. So that's an amazing comfort and encouragement. Also, Dave and Jasmine, of course, are involved with the high school group, and so as God calls them to go, that leaves a need in the in the high school group, which God has done something else that's absolutely incredible. Uh, Dave and Kate Neese, who are not here this morning, they are at SFO, San Francisco Airport, taking their uh, exchange student uh, back to the air, so that she can go back to Korea for the summer and picking up David's sister and husband and their family who are going to be with them for eight days. So also Phil and I should say Phil and Sarah are in Minneapolis um, giving grandparents a chance to see Elijah. That's where they are this morning. But so God's called David and Kate Neese to rise up and take the, the leadership of the high school group. They love Jesus Christ. They love God's word. They love high school students. And so that's kind of an amazing thing. But, but we love Dave and Jasmine. And uh, we're going to miss Dave and Jasmine deeply. So, so all this transition going on, okay? So what this has done for, for me personally, Jerry and I, home group leaders, is just to say, Lord, what are you doing here at Mercy Hill Church? What are you doing? We know he's doing something. We know it's good. What are you doing here, Lord? And uh, what, what's your call for us? What's this next season supposed to look like? Um, what next steps are you calling us to take? And we have laid everything on the table. And I mean everything. Lord, all we want is your will. No sacred cows here, no off-limit stuff, Lord. Whatever you want to have happen here, we want to have happen. And so, as we've talked, prayed, thought, we believe God's saying two things to us that I want to share with you this morning. They're right there in your notes, okay? One is that God is pleased with our growth in faith and community as a church. I am so thankful for what he's been doing along these lines. You can summarize our church vision with three words, faith, community, and, and mission. It all starts with faith. You see that in your notes there. Faith is the foundation of everything. You don't move on from faith to something else. It's always built upon living by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we are passionate about helping 
each one here learn to live by faith in Jesus Christ. We found that many believers are saved by faith. They get that. But they don't know how to live by faith. It's live by willpower or something else. And our passion is to help each person really learn to live by faith in Jesus Christ. And a year and a half ago now, I started this blog. I felt like the Lord wanted me to. Man, I have learned so much about this myself for me. And I know you've been reading that. And then the home group leaders, we've been working hard in our DNA groups, listening to uh, some uh, uh, an audio series by John Piper and looking at scriptures and working on this. And I am just thrilled at what I'm hearing happening in terms of people, real, some people saying, I never had any idea what it meant to live by faith. This has absolutely transformed my Christian life. I love that because this has transformed my Christian life too. So faith is the foundation for the whole thing. And one of the best ways to grow in living by faith is to be part of, of a Christ-centered community of believers who are also committed to living by faith so that we can be working on that together. Now, here at Mercy Hill, the place where we pursue that is in our home groups. A home group is a group of like 8 to 15 people, intergenerational Right? Kids are full-fledged members of the church. Right? They're not tomorrow's church. They're today's church. Okay, So it's intergenerational. It's not just a meeting we attend. It's a group of people that we love. It's not just a box in our schedule. It's an affection and a love and a passion in our hearts. It's always there. And so we bear each other's burdens. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We pray for each other. We work with each other on our marriages and on our parenting and on our work ethic and on our whatever. We're, we're discipling each other. We're caring for each other. And we are banding together to help people come to faith, to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. So we've been working hard on faith and community these last couple of years. And, and I am so encouraged with what God's doing. And I want to have Michelle Ramazina come up. Because she's going to share how she's been experiencing that in her home group. I wrote notes so that I wouldn't forget the key parts. So pardon me while I check them. Um, okay, so this has transformed my understanding of faith, my comprehension of what it is to love Jesus and to love him on a daily basis and have a life that reflects that. Um, and not just, I love you, Jesus, but I prefer my pillow this morning or whatever it may be that day. Um, I really like sleep. So that tends to be my weakness <laughs> is to get up early and get in the word. Um, anyway, moving on to the point of this um, home group for me has been just Phenomenal. Um, it used to be any time I was a part of a small group, whether it be here at Mercy Hill or um, at the churches I grew up in, and um, you know, it was we go to the, home, the small group and you, um, I come with a burden and I feel burdened, and so I share it and I get some advice. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not, and then usually someone will pray for me and then I leave, and I feel guilty because I feel like I shouldn't be burdened by this burden anymore because I shared it, and now I'm fighting this fight of willpower because I shouldn't be burdened because I shared my burden. And that's the point of sharing the burden is that you don't hold on to it anymore. And now I've released it to Jesus. And so why am I still holding this burden? Why am I still burdened? Be okay, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'll call someone and have them pray for me because I'm obviously not getting it right. Um, we have promises. <laughs> God gives us promises in his word for every burden we face. It doesn't mean my burden's going to go away. It means my understanding of my burden changes. My... Um, 
sorry, my hand is shaking. That's crazy. Um, now that when I go to home group, I share my burden and I'm encouraged by someone who usually it's Steve at the table or whoever's leading the table that night will say, what promises does God have for Michelle in this situation? And that has changed my understand my understanding of here's me in my situation. Everyone focus on me for a minute. Give me my advice. Give me my help. Do my thing. Come on, everybody help me so that I can go home and remember the advice you gave me and realize that that wasn't helpful. And now I'm stuck back with the same burden. So next week, I'm probably going to come back with the same burden, but I know I'm not supposed to because I just shared it. And so this is my battle, not a battle for faith of Jesus, focus me on you, because when I'm focused on you, I'm not concerned about my burden. It's still there. It's still happening. But God is at work in that burden. And I'm less focused on me and my burden. And I'm more focused on God is at work here and I don't like this situation and I want to change this situation. And I didn't, I wish I didn't have such and such in my family and whatever, whatever, but God is at work. And with that in mind, you are good and you are incapable of being unloving toward me. Therefore, I have to trust that this situation is for my good. What? Yeah, it's for my good. I can trust that because I trust in a God who is all about my good for his glory. Not for me. <laughs> Again, not about me. It's him and his glory. And it has been just completely changing. I go home now in the car and I'm, when I start to feel that burden of, oh, but I still struggle with. And then I remember the verse that someone gave me or how they were transformed by a verse that they read when they were in a similar situation. And I am experiencing my faith being encouraged and my community my home group family being that for me, my family who is loving me and praying for me. And not only did they just pray for me then, but then I get a text on Tuesday who said, from someone who says, hey, I thought of you this morning. I hope that you're past that. But just in case, here's a verse that the Lord gave me, and I think it's for you. And that is hugely changing the way that I see Jesus and that I love Jesus and that he has affected my life in a huge way. Um, so it changes my focus from me and my problem to God and his goodness, his love, his compassion, his care, his purpose in this situation, etc. And I still receive prayer. That part is key too. Um, but I'm leaving home group with a new perspective on my burden and my situation. And it's no longer me, 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 and I wasn't helped. And I'm not sure how I'm going to come back to home group next week and share the same burden in a different way so it doesn't sound like it's the same burden. No, I get to come back and say, I still struggled with it, but the verse that you gave me was so powerful. I wrote it on a note card and I stuck it on my mirror and then I wrote it on another note card and put it on my steering wheel and I wrote it on another note card and put it on the changing table. You know, I can put it around my house and I have verses and I have promises from God, not just a helpful piece of advice from someone who's been in the situation, which can be helpful, but not nearly as powerful and life changing as having God's word. Almighty God, Jesus Christ has given me words for my situation. Um, and that is powerful. Um, so quickly, quickly, I know I'm supposed to be faster. Um, no, it also affects me because I want to be an encouragement to my home group and I want to have promises that I can share with them. So I've got to be in the word now. So last two weeks ago, I woke up, my alarm went off at seven o'clock and I went, Oh Lord, no way. <laughs> Jonathan was up twice in the night. Natalie was up once. There's no way I'm getting up right now. I love you, but I really literally cannot open my eyes to get out of bed right now. And the alarm went off at 7.30 and I went, oh, I forgot about that show I was watching yesterday. I really should get on the computer and finish that. And the Lord said, you don't have time and you don't have the energy to get up and meet with me, life giver, promise keeper, but you're ready now to get up and watch a TV show about magic. 
Anyone else understand? Yeah, I laugh too. I'm like, whoa, that's okay. All right, let's try this again, Lord. So I, I didn't even get out of bed because I know myself. And if I get up and I turn on the computer so that I can look up the one verse and then I can, I'm not on the computer to look up the verse. I'm on the computer to watch that TV show because I wanted to see the magic trick and how it ends and ridiculous, but sincere, real, honest, that's me. So I grab my phone, which I'm, anyway, I grab my phone and I'm looking up Deuteronomy and I'm reading through and it was powerful and it was life changing. And it, it was eight o'clock in the morning and I'm waking up my children with a smile on my face and I'm, I still want to know how the magic show ends, but I don't care about that because I have life inside. It's not that I don't care about it. I still wanted to see it, but I'm not consumed with that, relying on that to wake me up for the day, relying on that to give me my energy to go wake up my kids and be excited for the day ahead. I had Jesus in my heart, in my life, acting in me. And it, it was awesome. <laughs> and it made me excited to say, I do need sleep. I absolutely need my sleep. I am wired to need my sleep. But I can get up 30 minutes early on some most days and if I can't get up 30 minutes early that day, then I have a two-hour time generally, at least an hour in the afternoon where my son is napping and my daughter is either quiet or napping. Or, you know, I, There are ways around this that I don't have to go. Hopefully on Wednesday I can have someone give me a verse that I can cling to. I can get in the Word. I can see the verse for myself. And I can have verses to share with my home group as well, which is awesome when someone says, I, I never saw that verse applying in this situation. And I can go... I didn't either. God did it. And it's so cool. So anyway, I think I had one more little conclusion. I don't want to miss it. I'm so sorry. My phone turned off. Um, I now understand that in every situation I face, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, every situation I face, um, Jesus understands and sympathizes with me because my home group has helped me see that I have a high priest. My Pastor has helped me see that Jesus is my high priest who sympathizes, who understands, who relates, and calls me to approach his throne with confidence because of what he has done for me, not because of who I am and what I bring. I bring a person who wants to see a magic show. Seriously. He brings a transformed person who can come into the throne of the almighty God, creator of everything. I can come in with confidence because of what Jesus has done for me. Um, and I understand that in every situation I face, I experience peace. I am able to experience peace in the midst of my mom going through a situation where she should be dead and she didn't. But if she had been, I can experience peace. I can experience peace in the medical scare personally that I have or in the scare that my husband had at work or whatever it may be. I can have peace because as my mind stays on Jesus, he keeps me in perfect peace. My situation doesn't necessarily change, but boy, oh boy, does my perspective change. Um, so there are promises for everything, and those are two really good ones to start with, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, and Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. So thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Wow. <laughs> that is really powerful. Thank you for sharing your heart so powerfully with us. So we're going to keep working on faith and community. The fact that we feel like God's pleased with it doesn't mean, okay, we're going to stop that now and move on to something else. We're going to continue pursuing that and growing in that. But I just want to let you know, I think God is pleased with the growth that's been taking place there. And thank you for your 
pursuit of this, for your rethinking these issues, for your study of God's word, for your sharing of promises, for the things you've listened to and read and the ways you've been pursuing this as a home group, as home groups together. So, so God's pleased with the growth that's been happening in faith and community. That's the first thing we believe God wanted us to share this morning. Now, the second thing is that God's calling us to grow in mission. He's got faith, got community, then he got mission. A mission simply means helping people who don't know Jesus Christ come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mission is, is Jesus' mission. He came to seek and to save the lost. It's an amazing thing to think that our words, our prayers, our love can cause someone to be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness where they've been under Satan's clutches, slaves to him, and they can be freed freed and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son. And by faith alone, they can be forgiven for all their sins. They can have their hearts be changed. They can experience God pouring his love into their hearts by the Holy Spirit, satisfied, filled, strengthened. That's mission. Now, there's lots of reasons this is important. Uh, Most important reason, I think somebody else already mentioned this, is it glorifies Jesus Christ to see someone come to faith. It glorifies his work on the cross, his resurrection. It glorifies him as our savior. Another reason this is so important is because it frees people from eternal suffering and it brings them into the joy, the heart-filling joy of knowing God. Those are two reasons it's important. The third reason, though, that I think a lot of us can forget, which I want to remind us of, and the reason is that when we take steps to help someone hear about Jesus, help someone see who Jesus is, and we take steps to help someone come to faith in Jesus Christ, God specially pours out his Holy Spirit upon us, gives us a special anointing, a special filling of his Holy Spirit. And whether people respond or not, God promises he will specially pour out his Spirit upon us. And our conviction is that much of the joy of following Jesus in this life, not all of it, But much of the joy of following Jesus in this life comes as we are taking steps to help people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Which means that if if you're not engaged in helping people come to faith, you are missing a large portion of the, the joy and the life and the excitement of following Jesus Christ. And we are passionate about helping you experience all of the life and the joy and the passion that comes from following Jesus Christ, which is why we are passionate about helping each of us get engaged. So you have the way that you know God's calling you to help someone you know come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's crucial that we grow in mission. So let's look at the Great Commission. I want to raise three questions from this. Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So this is where we're, Matthew 28. Are you still there? Your finger's still in the Bible? Look at what Matthew writes, what Jesus says in these words. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Three questions from these verses. First, who is Jesus calling 
to be engaged in going and making disciples? Who's he calling to do this? In these verses, he's talking to the 11 apostles. We're 12. Judas betrayed him, took his life. So now he's talking to the 11 apostles. Jesus is talking to them. And some people throughout church history have thought that this command is only for those 11 apostles. And since they are gone and died, and, and it, this doesn't apply to us anymore. That can't be true because of the last words of the Great Commission. Notice those last words. He says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This promise extends all the way to the end of the age till the time when Jesus returns, which means that this promise is still in effect today. And the fact that he buffers this command with the promise that is still in effect today shows that the command is still in effect today. Do you see that? If it was just the apostles, he wouldn't have said that. So this and many, many other passages which repeat the same great commission in different words show that Jesus is calling each of us to go and make disciples. He's calling me to do that. He's calling you to do that. Think about it like this. Uh, Jesus has commanded us to love our enemies. We all understand that. When we have an enemy, we say, okay, Lord, help me now by faith to love this enemy. We, we feel the weight of that command. Just as Jesus gave us the command, love your enemies, He's also given us the command, go and make disciples. Just as serious, the living Jesus Christ has stood before each of us. And he said, listen, go and make disciples. Do it. Go and make disciples. That's what he's called us to do. He didn't say if we have time. Big issue here in Silicon Valley. He didn't say if you feel like you want to do it. He didn't say if you feel successful at it, if you feel called to it. He said, go and make disciples. And so see, Mercy Hill Church, this is why we are here between now and the second coming. This is why we're here, to make disciples. Center your life around this command. This is the last words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel Matthew structured his gospel this way. He wants us to roll up the scroll of Matthew and have ringing in our ears Jesus' command, go and make disciples. Jerry Ship, why don't you come on up and share with us how you're doing that? Where's Jerry? There he is. Let's welcome Jerry. Phil Elder. Well, good morning, church. Uh, Dee Dee and I, I guess over the years we have what I think Chris Keener called friendship evangelism. Um, people move into our neighborhood. We try to uh, meet with them. And I want to tell you about one particular family. They, they moved in about probably about 18 years ago, had little bitty girls at the time. And he was kind of an irresponsible fellow. And um, so I would, every time I got a chance to talk to him, I, I kept asking God, God, how, how can I help this guy? Because I didn't want to be nosy about his life. You know, it's obviously he had some problems. And um, so one day I just asked him, I said, you know, how, his name is Jeff. And I said, Jeff, how were you raised? I mean, do you have any spiritual background at all? And he said, well, he said, I've been really hurt by the church I was raised in. And my wife was really hurt by the church she was raised in. 
And I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, he said, I was wanting to marry her. And the uh, bishop of the Mormon church said, you absolutely cannot marry her because she's black. And that really, really devastated him. <laughs> and at the same time, his to-be wife was uh, raised in a Pentecostal holiness church up in Oakland. And her bishop told her the same thing. You can't marry him. He's white. So they were just both devastated. So they both just pulled out, dropped out of any church community at all. And so over the, uh, over the years, you know, I've encouraged him about forgiveness. I said, you know, you need, you really need to put your trust in Jesus. Because uh, the Jesus he was taught is not the Jesus of Scripture. And uh, so I've encouraged him to read the Bible himself and get to know who uh, this person is. And this person is wanting you to forgive. And um, so he's, he's visited Mercy Hill a couple of times, and it's very different for him. You know, he said, wow, this is, <laughs> this is really a, very different from what he was used to. But he's, uh, he's a changed person as far as his behavior goes. I, I don't think he's drinking at all anymore. Um, the family's very nice. His girls are all growing up and just really nice, nice kids. Um, but sharing with him the love of Christ and, and the trusting in Christ, um, I, I keep doing that every chance I get. I, I, I just share with him and he... You know, it's coming in, but he, he has not put any action to that at this point. Um, you know, he's very, he gets very excited every spring when our group, uh, group of us go to Morocco every year. He's, he gets very excited about that, and he financially supports us in that. And, um, but he, he just hasn't taken that step of say, God, I am going to trust you. So I would, uh, you know, I would ask the church body here. They just pray for this man. His name is Jeff. His wife is Vanessa. Uh, you know, that that hurt that they suffered, I mean, that's been 18 years ago, 18 years. And he still has this bitterness in his heart toward, um, toward those men. And um, so I just ask you to pray for him and pray for Didi and I that we'll, we'll have more, and I know we will have more opportunity to share. And as I learn more about the love of Jesus, and I share it with him, you know, and this this walking in faith, all those promises, I mean, God said, if you abide in me, I will help you in your time of need. And they've had many needs, <laughs> you know, as we all do. But uh, the hope that lies within us is great. Thank you. Jason, come on up. Let's thank Jerry. Jason. Jason Belk, engaged to Aaron, getting married in about a year or so, or less than a year now. I hope it's less. Tell us. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason, and I've been going here a little over a year. And I just wanted to share about my friend Dennis, who I've been friends with for probably five years now. Through college, we we're good friends. He's not a Christian, comes from a family that has no church background whatsoever. And for me, it's, it's been a pleasure over the years to 
engage in conversations with him about Christ and to, to share my faith when things are happening in my life, to say, hey, you know, here's an issue I'm dealing with Aaron. Um, yes, we have issues and, you know, <laughs> or, or in life or whatever and say, hey, and this is, this is how I'm, you know, applying God's promises or God's word has encouraged me. And, and I think those have helped kind of show him the value of Christianity because sometimes it just seems like, oh, that, that's a good ethical thing because he thinks everybody's good people. Everybody are, I don't know, everybody are good people. <laughs> and then, we, you know, he just wants to help people, which is great. But I, th- I think one of the hardest verses I've shared with him is in Hebrews where, you know, apart from faith, it's meaningless, even if you're doing the same exact act externally. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to share, two more things in mind, is that um, when I'm spending time with him, you know, I love him as a friend. We have great times together. But there's a quote from John Piper I heard last week where basically he's saying when you're spending time with your friends who don't know Christ, that who's doing the influencing? Are you influence, influencing them? Are you prayerfully, you know, before you spend time with them and when you spend time with them, you know, God, how can you use me? What, what can you have me say? Or are they influencing you? And, and you'll influence each other to some extent, but who's the primary influence? What's your purpose? Um, and I, I was like, well, I never thought of it that way before, but it, it makes sense. And, and then the, <clears throat> the other thing I want to mention is that with relationship to community and mission faith, um, our home group several months ago had a, a game night where we just had board games, whatever. And so I invited Dennis to come, and he, he came, and he had a good time with us all. We, we didn't have any specific faith conversations, but he was able to meet the group and we had a follow-up conversation a week or two later about, you know, I, I told him specifically, like, I'm, you know, I want you to come to Christ. You know, it, 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 I'm friends with you, but this is really the direction I, w- I want us to head. And so he's obviously not here today and saved, but th- that's the direction I'm hopefully, prayerfully going. Yeah, amen. Right on, man. Let's thank Jason. Appreciate it. So that was the first question. Uh, who is Jesus calling to go and make disciples? And the answer is all of us, every every follower of him. And they just want to be make sure we're clear on what does it mean to make disciples? Because you might think it just means helping people who are already believers grow as believers. And it does include that. But notice that part of this command is to be baptizing them. When you baptize someone, it's because they've just come to faith in Christ. And so making disciples means finding someone who doesn't know Jesus and loving them, humbly sharing the gospel with them, caring for them, serving them, speaking the gospel to them so that they can come to faith in Christ. That's what it means to make disciples. So here's a way of thinking about this. There's lots of suffering in the world. We need to have our eyes open to this sometimes. I mean, you think about terrible poverty that's there. You think about sex trafficking. Think about medical issues like AIDS. I mean, there is, there is so much suffering in the world that, that each of us should have our hearts be absolutely broken by this, and we should be mobilized to deal with these kinds of issues. Really, really, really important. But think about this. As terrible as those are, and they are terrible and should stir our hearts to, to do something, as terrible as those are, There's another suffering that's infinitely worse than those. It's eternal suffering. My neighbor is facing eternal suffering. 
You may have neighbors that are facing eternal suffering. This is infinitely worse. So don't stop doing the other. But this is why Jesus calls all of us to be going and making disciples. Our hearts should be broken with suffering. We should be committed to alleviating suffering wherever we can, especially eternal suffering. And that's why we're all called to make disciples. Josh, come share with us. I asked Josh to come and share how he's been pursuing this workplace, I think. Let's welcome Josh McGuire. Come on up, man. Hi. So uh, Steve asked me to uh, share a couple of things. One is, you know, how, how did this start for me? Well, I think I really got serious about uh, sharing the gospel in Minnesota. I listened to a radio show called Way of the Master. Some of you may know about it, but uh, it just amazed me because the, the host would go out and talk to five to ten people every show. And what really um, struck me was that the people he talked to were impacted. You could, you could hear it in their voice that they were taking what he said about the gospel and you know, the law and how they were under condemnation and how Jesus came to save them. They were taking that to heart, and you could just hear it. Even through the radio, you could almost you know, see their faces just like you know, being frozen. Um, so that got me really excited about it, knowing that, wow, you know, th- this is what, you know, this was what can happen. So I started practicing saying the gospel. Um, and, you know, because up to that point, it, it's kind of a little muddled in my head. You know, how do, how do I communicate this thing that's shaped my life? So uh, I practiced it and then uh, went with my church to downtown Minneapolis and we started talking to people. Um, and then uh, once once I did that, it was a lot easier to talk to people at work. <laughs> um, so it was it was very it was very natural, and things just started you know happening. Um, I, I you know God taught me a couple lessons along the way. You d- you don't necessarily have to uh, unpack the entire gospel every time you talk to someone, especially when you have a long term relationship with them. Um, it's just at least you know the the. The way I've um, learned to do it is it's about being real, like who, who you are. They ask what you did over the weekend, you tell them, you know, talk, talk about the, the sermon today or what uh, verses that uh, have really been, you know, on your heart. You know, this year I've been really focusing on wisdom. And so, um, you know, we've been talking about that at work, you know, the people that I, I work with. We were trying to arrange uh, processes on how to think through issues. And so one of the things that I said, it's like, here's the process, but I want us to have some boundaries, some guidelines. On one side, I want truth. And on the other side, I want kindness <laughs> because we can do this process and still be a jerk. Um, so uh, this, these are these are the boundaries. And I told him where I got it. I got it from a verse in Proverbs. You know, do not let kindness and um, truth leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And so um, I, I just try to be real um, at work, and that leads a lot of times to deeper conversations. So I've there's been several incidents uh, or 
I shouldn't call them incidents. Um, there's been several times where I've been able to talk for a couple of hours with people after work. We just sit there and we just hash it out, and they ask questions like, "Why this? Why that?" And I try to answer as best I can. But you know, just just really being able to get at you know the heart issues. Um, so you know, that's what you know. That's how I've been doing it uh, at work, and it's just resulted in um, a lot of people. Uh, feeling, I guess, open enough to talk to me um, and talk to other people frequently, and I've been able to connect with other Christians. And in, in fact, um, one thing that I've uh, been trying to do is when people ask about the, the foster kids, I've been trying to use that as like, you know, an introduction to Christ. Just tell them why we did it. You know, one of the reasons we did it was because, you know, God adopted us into His family as soon as we trusted Jesus Christ. And we want we want to do that, you know, in a visible way to the rest of the world. And because um, I, I've been able to say that to a couple of people, they've, you know, it started conversations. I actually found other Christians. We started a, a Bible group at, at work. And now kind of the next step is we're trying to get the, the rest of the people in the Bible group to witness to, you know, to the people that we've been witnessing to individually so that they can know that it's not like it's not, you know, Josh McGuire, or it's not, you know, Clint Martin, or it's not um, Jeremiah Chan, or any of these other people who are working at Google. It is Christ. You know, Christ is the the one common factor um, about why we're like we're why we're like this. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's just been my experience at work, and and um, just kind of a parting thought that um, I've really felt that God put me at Google for a, a reason, right? The, these are people that may not hear the gospel without me. And I, I know that God has put every single one of you who, who are putting your faith in Christ where, where you are right now because of this discipleship issue. God wants, wants you to share, um, share what you have with these people. They may not hear it otherwise. Thank you. Let's thank Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. So that was the second question. And then the third question is, how does Jesus encourage us to do this? And there's two promises. I hope if you've been thinking about living by faith, you're tuning into promises. So the first promise is right there in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So here's what I want you to think about. The one who has all authority, all authority in the universe, has authorized you to go into your workplace and make disciples. I mean, not on company time necessarily. You've got to follow the protocols, okay? But you have authorization from Jesus Christ to go into your workplace and make disciples. You have authorization by the one who has all authority to go into your neighborhood and seek to make disciples. You have authorization from the one who has all authority to make disciples of your family members and friends. And that's one of the reasons I think he wanted to say, look, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore. You are going authorized. You are legit, right? You are called. The, the, the God of the universe has said, do this. And so you can do it, no matter how somebody responds. And we always want to be humble and loving and never argumentative or never confrontative in those kinds of ways. But even if somebody doesn't respond, you've been authorized to 
go. And then the second promise is verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I mentioned this earlier, but what, one of the ways this promise impacts us is that when you step out to help someone who doesn't know Christ to come to know Christ, Jesus will be with you in a special way that you wouldn't have experienced otherwise. And I want Ian to come share about that. Let's welcome Ian. I've uh, felt a burden for a while to share with people the uh, just amazing heart satisfaction and honestly addicting hope I have in Jesus. But I just feel like I bumble through my interactions with my neighbors and coworkers and friends. Um, you know, Maria and I have been doing game nights and other activities in our neighborhood, but it's been in a larger setting. Recently, I've been uh, having Maria join me as I've been uh, meeting with folks, and it's just been super encouraging for me not only to do it together, but uh, just to see her faith in action. It's very natural for her to just talk about Jesus. I mean, it just bubbles out of her, and, and she's super bold about it, and it's encouraged me to be more bold myself or bolder myself. Um, recently, uh, Maria and I went and had dinner with one of my coworkers and his wife, and, um, and I'm not one of those people that on the spot can just think of something witty or you know, bring up Jesus. It usually takes a little bit more thinking on my part. So one thing that's been helpful for me is to think of a question that I can kind of push the conversation toward Jesus. And it gives me, of course, a chance to think about it as well. So I ask the question, uh, what would you like to describe your life in 10 years from now? Or how would you describe your life 10 years from now? And it's fun because you get to know them more. You get to know you know, what their heart passions are and go deeper than you would normally. But it also, it's a really easy way for us to talk about Jesus. We get to talk about what he's doing for us here at Mercy Hill and also our heart passions for the future in missions. And people are like, well, what is that? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> and so it, you just get to talk about it, and it's great. Um, and the thing is, is that it's not weird and awkward. I'm not just all of a sudden getting nervous. And, you know, I mean, I really feel in those moments, like that moment with my coworker, I could feel the Holy Spirit just pouring into my heart. I just had to do a couple words, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, God is here in our presence. It's like, I want more of this. I mean, this, is, this isn't weird. This isn't forced. This isn't contrived. I mean, I feel him right here satisfying my heart. I want more of this. Uh, and, of course, you know, we want them to become saved too. But, um, you know, it's not awkward for them. But I'd, I would expect if we talk about Jesus, you know, especially being bold about him, it would feel uh, you know, not only weird for them, but also that they'd be like, okay, we're, we're done with these people. <laughs> they talk about Jesus. Uh, you know, in fact, they, they want to hang out with us. We've spent some time with them last weekend, and we're talking about doing future things with them. They seem to actually enjoy talking to us, even though we're talking about Jesus. Um, and, of course, we're getting super blessed by it, too, because he's filling our hearts. So it's not contrived and awkward. It's, it's heart-satisfying and real. Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Good. Okay, now, this is what Jesus is calling us to do. And here at Mercy Hill, it's like we've been in a drought when it comes to people coming to faith. Okay, in terms of, it's been a long time since we've had the baptismal set up over here and having somebody, at least a couple months, since somebody's been baptized. It's been a long time since any of our home groups have seen someone brought to faith through our grassroots relational efforts. But here's the good news. I'm convinced from God's word that as we take the steps he's called us to take, we will see people brought to faith. He will be faithful to honor 
his word. Each of our home groups will see people come to faith. We will see this happening as a church. And here's here's kind of the end game of where this is going. The, The goal here is not to make Mercy Hill Church a bigger church. That's not our interest. Here's where we see this going. As each of our home groups, as we reach out, love, pray, see people brought to faith and drawn into the home group community, and then as the home groups are raising up new home group leaders, each home group will be branching out a new home group. One, two, three. And our vision is that in in these areas where we have home groups that are kind of been been branched, that God will call them, some of them, to band together and to become a church. That God will raise up a pastor, raise up elders there, and that that will become a church. And so our our vision, the reason, I think the biblical part of what this, the reason we want to pursue this isn't to make Mercy Hill Church a bigger church, but is to see many, many churches planted. And I mean, first of all, many home groups branched, planted, and then many churches planted. So that's the end game. Our longing, I mean, think of what would happen, church, if in the next five years we could plant a couple of churches here in the South Bay area, dozens of home groups and a couple of churches. So that's that's the end game that's in our mind, and that'll bring great, great glory to Jesus Christ. Now, we believe this is really important for us to pursue, and so what I'd like you to be thinking about in terms of your own personal prayer life and talking with the home group is to, for the foreseeable future, think about this phrase, that Jesus has called us individually in our home groups, as a church, to make disciples who make disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what's been stirring in us, making disciples who make disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a problem with this, okay? Some of you are feeling it. I'm feeling it. You're thinking, I wouldn't be good at that. You're thinking, I don't have time for that. You're thinking, I'm way too exhausted to even start thinking about that. You're thinking, I've never been effective at that, or I never would be effective at that if I tried. Okay? All kinds of different things that we're pondering and struggling with. You're not alone if you're thinking those things. Okay? We're all feeling them and thinking about them. So let me call you to take five steps, okay? Which I think will help with all of those. Whatever you're feeling in your heart about don't have any friends who don't know Jesus, so that's not going to work for me, whatever it might be. So first step, ask Jesus Christ to help you want to do this. Ask him. Ask him. Say, I don't want to do this. Scares me to death. It's the last thing I'd like to do. Okay? Help me. And I promise you, as you come to the Lord Jesus, being honest about what you're really feeling, where you're really at. We can come to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And as you pray, and I put some scriptures down on the back of your teaching insert there. As you pray over these scriptures, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Jesus Christ will change your heart. He will change your heart. You'll start to feel love and compassion for your next door neighbor who is facing eternal suffering. You'll have compassion for the people at your workplace who don't know Christ. You'll have compassion for your friends and your family members. And your faith will rise that Jesus can use even me. So take that first step. Ask him for help. And then second, ask Jesus what step you can take this week to go and start making disciples. Now, we're all different. 
Jesus won't call me to do it the same way he would call you to do it or call you to do it the same way he's calling me to do it. But because Jesus has called you to go and make disciples, he has a way that he will lead you to do it, and it'll work. He has a way for you that'll fit your personality, not that it'll feel totally comfortable all the time. It'll push you, but it'll fit you. It'll fit your schedule. It'll fit your network of relationships. He has a way for you to do it. As busy as you are, he has a way to do it. And don't think this is adding something else onto my busy life. This is what you're, you, I mean, integrate this in with your parenting. Center your parenting around making disciples. So you're joining with your kids to pray for your neighbors like the Garcias are doing in their neighborhood. Center your marriage around this. This isn't something else in addition to your marriage. Hun, let's pray about doing this in our neighborhood. Let it bond you together in your marriage. Don't add something else. Just everything you're doing, center your work, center your marriage, center your parenting, center your, you love mountain bike riding. So, okay, Lord, bring me somebody I can go mountain bike ride with and share the gospel with. So center the things we're already doing. The Lord will give you the steps to take to do this. He has ways to help you do this, and he will give those to you. Third, get trained in your home group. I think it's the wrong word. It's not up there. Oh, it is. Get trained in your home group. Okay. Uh, Talk in your home group this week. How often do we want to do training? If the answer is none, then your home group leader's right, because he'll he'll talk about how often. But we need to talk together. If, If this is what God's calling our home group to do, I think probably every, every 6, 8 to 10, 12 weeks we're doing training, which is good. So, but, but talk about that together. Say, we, we want to do t- more training here so we can share our testimonies and the whole, share the gospel more effectively. So get trained in your home group. And then fourth, each week at your home group, shares. This is one that I, oh man, John, John corrected all my mistakes here. Each week share with your home group. Okay, that should be home group. One, one, okay, so each week share with your home group is what that means. So here's what I'm praying will happen. There will be a rhythm in our home groups and in our lives. As God gives us steps to take this next week, I share with the home group, here's the steps God led me to take this last week. And then here's the steps he's leading me to take this next week. Pray for me. So there's a rhythm of sharing what has happened, sharing what will happen, and then massive prayer. And then last step, join your home group in fasting and praying for this. Why has there been a drought of conversions? And we're not alone. Most churches are experiencing the exact same thing. There's lots of possible reasons, but one, one I know for sure is because we are against the powers of darkness here. And they are powerful, but they are no match for Jesus Christ. So I'd like you as a home group to talk and say, how often do we want to fast and pray so that we will see someone saved, our, our first new believer as a home group. We can celebrate that. How often do we want to fast and pray to see that happen? Talk about that this week. Just talk about that. What kind of a rhythm? So you can take a day to really fast and pray and then come together as a home group and break the fast with your meal and and uh, celebrate what God's done as you've been praying. So here's what God's calling us to, Mercy Hill Church. He's saying two things. He's saying He's pleased with how we've been growing in faith and community. And again, I want to thank you for the efforts and the pursuit and the focus and the ways that's been happening. Thrilled at what God's doing there. I believe God's also calling us to grow in mission. So let it just ring in your ears. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples. The living Jesus Christ is standing before each of us. He said, I'll help you know how to do that. I will change your heart so that you are filled with love for the lost people, train you, 
There's a way for you to pursue this, but Jesus Christ is standing before you saying, go and make disciples, and he will give us the steps, and then we'll watch him work. Okay, let's stand together. I want to pray this over us this morning. I pray that you'd sow this seed of your word deep into our hearts, Lord God. Lord, we long, we long that each one here would have all the fullness and the joy and the outpourings of your spirit that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us would this morning say, Lord, as you give me grace, as you help me, I'm going to engage in in making disciples. Show me how, show me steps to take. I pray that you'd be working that into each of our hearts, Lord, for the glory of your name. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Use us by your grace to see others saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.